Well, talking about that, uh, Pastor Ed Young shared a story about taking his uh, family to a high school football game, and I think he said his youngest daughter was about five or six years old, and about halfway through the game, she says, hey, Dad, can I have some money? I want to go to the concession stand and get some candy. So he gave her some money, and she came back with a big bag of Skittles and uh, sat down and started eating them. And he says, as I watched them, I was like, man, those look pretty good. I think I want some. So he goes, hey, uh, um, Landra was her name. He goes, can I have some Skittles? And she said, no, Dad, those are mine. <laughs> and he said, no, seriously, give me a couple of those Skittles. He goes, no, Dad, these are mine. And so his response was, he says, my little daughter didn't understand several things. The first was, is that uh, I was the one who gave her the money to purchase those. And you think she would at least share with me. The other thing she didn't realize is that I, I have a, a lot more strength than she does. And if I wanted those Skittles, I'd just yank them right out of her hands and I'd just eat the whole bag. And another thing that she didn't quite understand is that if I wanted to, I could go down to the concession stand and I could buy a whole box of Skittles, a whole case of Skittles, and we'd have more Skittles than, than we could eat at this game and even, even tomorrow. So she kind of didn't quite understand that. Um, but he was trying to make a point and he said this, he says, we all have Skittles, don't we? He says, some of us have a pretty nice size pile of Skittles, and some of us have a, a medium size pile of Skittles, and some of us have a really small size pile of Skittles. And our loving God comes to all of us and says, hey, can I have some Skittles? Can I have a couple of Skittles? And a lot of times our reaction is just like that little girl. And it's like, hey, these are my Skittles. This is my stuff. They're mine. Uh-uh, I made those Skittles, I work for those Skittles, they're my Skittles. Why are you trying to get my Skittles? And he says, like my daughter, we don't understand several things. One is that God gave them to us. They're his Skittles. He bought them. And in an instant, God could take all of our Skittles away from us. And we would have no Skittles left. But also, also need to understand that God could also rain down so many Skittles on me and my family more than we could possibly spend or enjoy in all of our lifetime. That's kind of that's convicting, isn't it, sometimes? Now, here's the thing with kids. Do, do we have to teach them to be selfish like that? Did you have to tell your kid, you know, hey, you need to know how to be selfish to your brother. So when he grabs your toy, you, you don't have to tell him. It's one day they do it, and you're like, where'd you learn that, you know? It's human nature, isn't it? We, we want what's ours. Well, last week I started a... Um, you know, we started talking about managing resources, and we were doing this sermon series called Practice Makes Permanent, and we've got a lot of practices in our lives about money and finances, and we mentioned last week that Jesus in the Gospels uh, told 30 parables, and out of those 30 parables, 19 of them had to do with money and finances and economics, so obviously in that first century where Jesus lived, that was very important, people and their money and struggling over those things. But we know from history that it's always been that way. People have always struggled because it's such a personal thing that we get money, Skittles, into our life. And what do we do with those? How do we share them? What do we do? How do we manage them? So today I want us to, to, to keep on that topic. But last week I want to specifically mention there were two main points, if you remember. The first was, is where are we storing up treasures? Are we storing up here on earth where things can rust? Moss can eat them. They can be destroyed. They can be stolen. Because we're, we're, if all our stuff is in treasures here on earth, eventually we're going to be disappointed with that. Or are we storing up treasures in things in heaven where those things can never be taken away, that they will always be there for eternity? And then Jesus hit us right in the gut with a very difficult saying where he says, where our treasure is, there our what? 
our heart will be also. And that's true, isn't it? Whenever, whatever somebody really treasures, that's where you treasure. That's where their heart's going. That's where their money's going. That's where their time and attention is going. And we understand that. And that was very convicting for all of us last week. But today I want to continue and do the, a second sermon on managing our resources. And we'll look at again at something that Jesus said. But I also want to look at an Old Testament passage and also a couple of letters from the New Testament. But the first text I want us to look at is from the last book of the Old Testament. Anybody want to take a stab at that? Malachi, okay? Some of you might have thought like I did when I was little. It was Malachi, but it's Malachi, okay? Maybe you know somebody named Malachi. Don't call them Malachi. They don't like that, all right? Um, but this book was written during the post-exilic time of Israel. That means then in, in a part of Israel's history when we read the Old Testament that they were God's people and they had made a covenant with God that as long as they were faithful to that covenant and worship God alone, he would bless them to be a blessing to the rest of the world. But they got out of that covenant. They broke it over and over and over again and go, yeah, God, we love you, but we're going to try some of these other gods. And they kind of did the buffet thing with religion. We'll take a little bit of everything and just hope it all works out. And God was constantly upset with that. So you're not being faithful. I'm being faithful to you, but you're not being faithful. So we know that in 586 BC, the Babylonians came into Jerusalem and absolutely destroyed Jerusalem, the temple and everything, and they were exiled for several, I think like 70 years into Babylonian captivity. And this was a blow to the nation of Israel. And people said, hey, the rest of the world looked and go, they were God's people. We remember we couldn't defeat them in battle. And we don't know how we couldn't defeat them in battle. We had more people. We had stronger, more equipment and things like that. But we couldn't defeat the Israelites because we knew their God was stronger. But finally, when they did defeat Israel, they knew they, forsake, they have forsaken their God and their covenant. And that's why God has allowed us. Even the rest of the world realized that. So they were taken into captivity. Well, they were allowed later to come out of captivity and go back to Jerusalem, to these ruins that was their home, and, and go to see this temple that maybe their grandfather and grandmother told them about, but it was in ruins, and so they got to go back. And they started to rebuild, but it was very devastating for them because they knew it was never going to be like when King David was... in when he was on the throne. It's never going to be like King Solomon when he was on the throne. It's just not the same. Yeah, we've rebuilt it and we're doing worship there now, but it's just not the same. And there was a lot of, you know, people that didn't have a lot of hope for the future. And they were going to worship in the temple. They were just kind of going through the motions. You know what I'm talking about, going through the motions? We talked about this a few weeks ago, just checking the boxes. I'm going, but I'm not really into it. And God saw that and he felt it in the way they were worshiping. And so he challenged them on this through Malachi. So we're going to look at chapter... 3 of Malachi, verses 6 through 12. This may be a familiar passage, but it's, I think it's a very interesting one. So we'll have that up on the screen. Thank you. Or you can look in your Bibles or your personal devices. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. It will, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. 
Man, think about that, robbing God. How do we rob God? He, he owns everything, right? What is it, the cattle on a thousand hills? God owns all that. How are we robbing him? He's going, I'm telling you how, because you are not being generous and bringing your money, a part of your money, into the storehouse so that it can be taken out. God doesn't need it so he can do something with it. He says, I want to bless the rest of the world through you. By you being generous, then we turn right around and we bless others. That was part of their deal from the, in the Old Testament. Say, so, hey, you bring it to the storehouse, the priests get their stuff, and then people that are poor, those who are orphans and widows, we take care of them. Aliens and strangers, we take care of them. That was the whole idea of bringing it to the, um, to the storehouse to the temple, and then it would go out and help all these people that had needs. He says, y'all have forgotten about that. So what do we need to know here? Because that was written a long time ago to other people in another part of the world, in another culture, and that's Old Covenant, that's Old Testament stuff. So, But there's stuff we can learn here always, always. So what do we need to know here? First is giving of our resources is part of our worship to God. Think about that. Have you ever thought about that? Giving is a part of your worship to God. And I don't mean, you know, you pull your check out and it's like, you know, you're doing the, here comes the plate and there it is. We're not talking about that. We're saying actually consistently realizing that everything comes from God and I'm going to take a portion of my income on a consistent basis and I'm going to give it for God's kingdom work somewhere. Whether you do that on your phone online or you put it in the plate or however you do it, that is what he's saying. So we need to know that part of giving our resources is a part of worshiping God. We worship God in our giving. Yeah, we can sing. What do we all just sing? Great is your faithfulness. That's great. But God says, I want to see not just that you sing that, but that you practice that. And I want that to be a permanent part of your practice of worship is giving. Well, why do we need to know this? Because if we don't grasp this truth that giving is a part of worship, we will neglect this crucial part of worship and we'll rob God too. And in the process, y'all, we are robbing ourselves of something great God wants to do in our heart and for other people. Doesn't it feel good when you do something for somebody? You know, when you do something and you think about it and you go, man, that just made a difference in that person's life. And you feel like, you know, I just feel great about that. That's what God created me to do, to do good works, which he's prepared in advance for me to do. So we need to understand that. It's part of worship and we rob God and ourselves in the process when we don't do that. And did you notice how the Skittles story is very similar to what God's saying here? You know, he goes, I'm asking you to bring it all to the storehouse. You know, I'm just, and he's talking about tithes and offerings. Notice he said tithes, 10%, and offerings, more than just 10%. We get hung up on the 10%, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. But God says, hey, if you will just start bringing the whole amount on a consistent basis, he will throw open the floodgates of heaven with more blessings than we can even imagine. So what do we need to do? Well, we need to test God. What? Test God. Have you ever heard people say, you know, don't test God? Don't question God. Well, those are two things that are absolutely not in Scripture. You ever read the Psalms? Did David ever question God? Man, he questions God all through him. He's like, why does this happen to me? Why don't you do something about this? A lot of the prophets all through the Old Testament, God, why don't you do something about the bad people? And God says, because I'm sending you with a message to them. That's why. And you're part of the process. So it's okay to question God. But God is actually inviting his people, and I believe he still invites us, y'all, to test him with this financial thing. Something that's very, very, um, uh, you know, it's a very private matter, our finances, very personal matter. But he's saying, no, test me in this. 
He goes, I want to change your lives. God was inviting them to test him in this aspect of giving to see how it will change your lives if you will actually do it how I've asked you to do it. And I believe God is offering that same test today. And some of us have tested God in that manner. Some of you say, yeah, I know. I know that's true. And I've tested God. I wanted to see if it was true, and I test him, and you know it's true now. But some of y'all are still kind of like, I don't know about that. I don't know if I can trust God with my money or given a consistent portion. Now, now we may have all kinds of reasons why we don't give on a consistent basis uh, a part of our income to God's kingdom work. It might be fear. I just don't think I can do that. I can't pay all my bills right now. You don't understand my situation. You're right, I don't. But God does. And he's asking you to test him. You may have, uh, have some skepticism. You may have been burned in the past that you did give something with good intentions to a part of God's kingdom work somewhere in the world. And you know what? You got burned because of that. The people took that money and did something else and you found out it was not going where it said it was going to go. And man, that made you mad. It made you upset. And you put up a wall and you said, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going to trust people. Man, that wasn't God. That was a deceitful person that did that. But I can understand why that would make you put up a Make you be skeptical about it. Maybe just because of selfishness or despair. You just don't think you can do it. But for whatever reason, I still believe God is challenging us today to test Him in this area of our lives because He wants that part of worship. We worship Him by consistently giving a portion of our income to the storehouse, God's kingdom work in the world. Well, why do we need to do this? Well, first of all, we're showing God that we recognize it all comes from Him in the first place. I know you gave me the $5 to get the Skittles, so I realize, really, they're your Skittles. And I'm willing to give you some of those. Because in doing this, we're showing that we fully trust and surrender to God in a very personal area of our lives that we need to surrender to Him. We're showing that we recognize it's all His anyway, and we are simply a manager of those things He's put into our hands and into our lives. We are showing that we have the opportunity to be a part of helping others in the world. Through our giving. Again, God's not going, I'm just holding all this money. You know, I used to wonder when I was a little kid. You ever thought about this? Where did, where did the offering go? When I was a little kid, I never could figure that out. I didn't realize there were guys who were actually counting the money, and they put it in the bank the next morning. I thought they put it on, like, took those, you know, those, those shiny offering trays and put it up on a shelf somewhere, and it was like, oh, and the money would just float up to God. I mean, I really thought that as a little kid. And it took me a while to figure that out. Like, no, that's actually going to missionaries. It's actually going to help people. And God has entrusted that. God doesn't need that. He doesn't know, dear, you know, here's a roto check out to God this morning. No, he knows when you're writing it to kingdom work, he knows what you're doing with it. And you're blessing him by being like him. Uh, we are showing that if we trust God, we will practice what he has clearly told us to do. We don't just sing about being faithful. We actually practice being faithful in every area of our lives. And we're showing that we want to worship God in all aspects of our lives. So it's very important. If we really believe in God, and a lot of us, most of us say, yeah, I believe in God. I know there's got to be a creator. I believe that, and I don't understand all this. I don't know how God became flesh and came to the earth, but I believe he did that. A lot of us, would nobody would argue with that today. Jesus actually came in the flesh, and he lived, and he died on the cross physically for us. He shed that blood so that we could be forgiven and restored with God. And he rose bodily from the grave. We would all say, yes, I absolutely believe that. And he gave me forgiveness and restoration with God my Father through that. We really believe that. So why in the world, y'all, would we not listen to what God says to do with our money? If we believe he can come back from the grave 
And he can forgive our sins and restore us to our people that we have gotten sideways with and restore us to God Almighty. Then why in the world don't we listen to what he says about money? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I've done stupid too with money. I got debt. I get it. I'm not any better than y'all, but we need to listen to what he says. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke chapter 12. He told this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Now listen to the selfishness in this man. Everything's about I and my. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and I will build bigger ones. And there I will store up my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Who's going to get that now? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. We are God's children. We're his sons and daughters. We're sons and daughters of the king. And the king is a rich and generous king. And he wants us to be like him. This man in this parable was all about himself. All of his stuff was his and what he was going to do with it. And we can become like this if we're not careful. But God calls us to be rich towards God. And when we're rich towards others, we are rich towards God. Remember that Matthew 25, when did you see me hungry? If you did it for the what? The least of these, you've done it unto me. And although Jesus established a new covenant, it's clear that giving was an integral part of worship in this new covenant and the old covenant. Um, throughout the New Testament, we see consistent and, uh, and clear giving. The apostles did it, the first followers of Jesus did it, and they passed on that practice to everybody they came in contact with. That's why in Paul's letters, he mentions it in almost all of his letters. Specifically, this is what you're to do, set aside a part. Now listen, it's a little different. He doesn't get into the specifics of how much, about 10% or whatever, but listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians 16 verse 2. On the first day of the week, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. And he's referring to that collections at the end, that there was something going on in another region that they wanted to help. I think it was the church in Jerusalem who was having a lot of problems. He says, we're going to take some money from Corinth and that y'all have given because you've been consistently doing that, and we're going to go take it to them so that they can be helped. That's what we're going to do with that money. And he's saying, set aside of that so that you, in keeping with your income. He didn't say a percentage, did he? And then in the second letter of Corinthians, listen to what he says. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. And if I can just interject right there, that's a quote from Psalms. And basically what he's saying is he's saying, people throughout history who give to the poor, their gifts go out to the poor with no strings attached. That makes an eternal difference. Their righteousness endures what? Forever. Just like he talks about. Treasure stored up in heaven. So then Paul goes on and he says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. 
This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in showing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, uh, for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So Paul is commending this group of people saying, what you've done, it's not only done what God has. And notice that part, he says, it accompanies your obedience, accompanies your confession. And that shows people that you're not just saying you're a follower of Christ, but you're actually practicing it with part of your money. And it's making a difference in people's lives all over the world. And you've had a part of that. And that's important. It's about practice making permanent. Now, do you hear Paul reiterating what God said through Malachi there? And God is able to bless you abundantly. So in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, listen, we, I don't believe in this, some of this uh, theology that goes around uh, uh, health and wealth. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So, you know, you put in $100 a day in the plate, and some, hopefully in the next two or three weeks, God's going to bless you with about $300 in your mailbox. That's not how it works. I don't see that in Scripture anywhere. He tells us to be obedient, and sometimes God is going to bless you in one way or another. But I can just tell you in my personal life, and I bet there's others in this room, that you have been faithful in your giving, and there were times where you said, I don't know how we're going to make it this month. But somehow, some way, something happened. You go, I can't explain that. The numbers do not match. And I see people nodding their heads as I'm saying that. It didn't. I don't, I don't know how that happened. But I, I connect it with the fact that I was obedient in my giving to God. And God is faithful to his promise and saying, hey, I will take care of you. You'll have everything you need. Everything you need. Notice he didn't say everything you Exactly. All right? You don't understand what, what's going on there. But I think that some of us may have developed a practice of giving. And that's a great thing. But some of us have, have, have developed a practice of not giving in your life. And sometimes it seems permanent, that you can't get out of that because you're just in debt or you have all these things. But nothing is permanent. God can change us in any part of our lives at any time. Um, we've got uh, Larry here today. He's going to speak to us talking about recovery. And, and Larry's got a great story. I can't wait for him to share with you all during our offering time. But, but God can take us where we were that seems like this permanent state, and he can change it into something different and make that permanent in our lives. And he wants to do that. Um, but we need to start practicing giving, maybe for the first time or challenging yourself uh, to give more. Now, I know some of you are thinking, yeah, I just can't possibly give more, do anything else with my money right now, considering my financial situation. Craig, you have no idea, and you're right, I don't, but God does know. But here's the deal. I would challenge you to rethink that, that, that situation and test God. I think he's saying, test me in this. We test ourselves all the time on financial things, don't we, y'all? Now, I'll give you an example. We find creative ways on how we're going to buy things. Figuring out how much. Like the other day, I went by, y'all know in Union City where they have all those car lots on Union City? I was going by the other day, and I saw this beautiful Tacoma pickup. And I was like, man, I would love to have a new Tacoma pickup truck. And they had on the side of that door for me how much a month. Y'all, it was like 500 something dollars a month. And I was like, what? It's a house payment. Guess what? The good news is, kids, we got a new truck. Guess what? We're moving in, you know? <laughs> I mean, I was like, there's no way. So I just kept driving the old truck, you know, and realized that's just not something I'm going to do right now. There's nothing wrong with buying new trucks, but 
but what if I had done this? And this is what we do. I would have walked in the Toyota place and I'd say, sales would go, hey, can I help you, Mr. Kingston? You know, he's going to be ready to help me there. And he's going to say, hey, so I really like that to come out there, but $500 a month, I can't afford it. He goes, well, what do you want your payment to be? So we sit down at his desk and we start that little deal, you know. And I said, well, I'd really like it to be maybe about 300 a month. He goes, let me go talk to my manager. So he'll leave you hanging for, you know, about 20 minutes, and they're drinking coffee and eating donuts and playing on their phones and, yeah, whatever, and they're going to go back, and they come back and go, well, I think we can do maybe 350 a month, you know. So I really need it to be 300 Let me go talk to my manager again. You go back over there. Then he comes back, I think we can do that. Now, you're going to be paying that for the next 25 years, but you're going to have a new truck. That's how it works. We laugh, but that's exactly how it works, and that's how we do. We do the research on TVs, and we figure out how we can buy the furniture or the new wheels on my Jeep or whatever it is, you know, and, and, and this is what we're going to do. I'm going to finance it, and then we become, as Proverbs says, slave to the what? The lender. Y'all have heard Dave Ramsey say that, but he's quoting right out of Proverbs. We become slave to lender, and y'all, some of us are in slavery right now, and God said, that's not what I have for you. That's not what I want for you. So I want to challenge us today with challenging our practice at giving this point in our life. And where do we need to test God in this? And if you're not currently and consistently giving as a part of your practice of worship, then why not? Think about, God, help me in this. The amount is not as important in getting started somewhere. I'm not going to hammer you all about 10%. I know you've heard that a lot in churches, and that was an Old Testament thing, and it's not a bad place to start at all. But actually, in the Old Testament, if you really look into the, to the Old Testament law, they had about 30% they were supposed to bring. Now, it wasn't all in money. Some of it was in vegetables and fruits and things. It was different in that culture. But they had to bring a lot more than 10. But Paul said, set aside a what? A sum. He said, you should give what you have decided in your heart, not under compulsion, but start somewhere that you can move forward and start testing God in this. Now, I want to talk to you all. How many middle school and high school students? Raise your hand. I want to see your hands this morning. Don't be shy. I know there's more of you all there. All right. I want to speak directly to you or college-age students, okay? This morning, it is never too early to start this. Never. And I want to tell you right now, if you're babysitting or cutting grass or doing odd jobs or you're in your first job at minimum wage working wherever you're working, you need to start giving right now as making it a practice of your life. When I started, when I was, when I was younger, I started cutting grass in my neighborhood. And, man, y'all, I cut, I cut grass for one guy. I was, he was paying me $8 to cut his yard. I bet it took me two hours. I believe he was ripping me off. Don't y'all think that? And he was a pro football player. I'll tell you that story another time. But anyway... I thought it was great, and I'd bring home my $8, and my mama would challenge me to go, aren't you going to give some of that to the church? I'm like, it's got $10, i got to give a dollar to God? And it seemed like this, this it's like the Skittles thing, it's my Skittles. But man, I, it, and first it was a little reluctantly, but I started doing it, and I realized, I'm saying to God, you gave me that job, you gave me that opportunity, you gave me this lawnmower, you gave me the opportunity to cut the guy's grass, and now I have money, and so I, and, it, and it just it made a difference in my life. But here's the deal, I saw my daddy write a check out every Sunday morning to the church as I grew up. I didn't really understand that at first, but now that I look back on it, I thought, what an example. He didn't just tell me to do that. He did that himself. He was practicing what he wanted to make permanent in my life. And so it made a difference in life. So I want to challenge you young people right now. I know you think, I'm only making this. I know. But what better way to show God that you realize and you want to start your life off right by saying, I'm going to worship God in everything I do. Even in my, you know, 50-buck check I got, you know, for whatever it is. I would encourage you to do that. And parents, encourage them to do that as well. 
I may have started something in family. So I, now, now it's really uncomfortable because my daughter's doing it, but I'm not. You know, <laughs> make it a little uncomfortable there. But, but set aside of a portion out of every paycheck to invest in God's kingdom work. You're practicing something that needs to become permanent in your life, and it's showing God that you worship Him. And I can say in my life and through countless people, again, that I have practiced this in my life and things happen that I'm not expecting and I go back and I go, that has to be God. I don't understand how. So I'm going to go out on a limb here this morning. But I've, and I know there's people here that have practiced it and it's been a blessing in your life. But I have never met anybody who said, you know what, I started giving on a regular basis for a year and you know what? It was a bad idea. I don't do that anymore. I never saw any point or any blessing in it whatsoever. I've never met anybody that said that. Now, I've heard people that started it and stopped it and got in, got in some messes and kind of go, yeah, you know, I got away from giving and I can see there's a connection there maybe. But what I want to go out on a limb here is say, if you have been blessed in your life because you have given to God on a consistent basis and you have some amazing stories about how God did something in your life and you can connect those dots to, to, to being obedient and giving, would you just be willing to raise your hand this morning? I'm raising mine. All right? Hold them up high. Everybody, then you may not have your hand up just because you're embarrassed, and that's okay. But look around. These people all around you have stories that you could go up to and go, I want to hear your story. I want to hear your story. And they'll all be different, and they'll all be crazy, but they'll be, I, I got you. That is, I don't know how you explain that. It has to be God. So look around. Talk to people. Now, I've heard people who started this practice, like I said, and for various reasons, they stopped, and they want to get back into it. Now, some of you may be skeptical. You may think, oh, you know, he's just trying to get more money. And if it's your first time today, you're going, see, man, that's why I don't go to church. I always talk about money. I hear that all the time. Do I talk about money all the time, y'all? No. It's been the second sermon in uh, two years, I think, all right? <laughs> yeah, but, you know, anyway. But you may think, I'm trying to get more money for the church or my salary or my new Lamborghini that I need to make, you know, Hospital calls on. <laughs> Just check it out. Um, but guess what? I unashamedly says, absolutely I'm trying to get more money for the church. You know why? Because I absolutely believe in the mission of the church. And the mission of the church says, I'm going to give a portion of my money. And it's not just going to the church and sitting up on a thing and floating up to heaven. No, it's going out to help people like you're going to hear Larry talk about in a minute. To Martha Wade in New Guinea and people are getting to hear the Bible and their language for the first time in their life. Um, we're, we're helping uh, people, all kinds of things. And if you don't know what our missions are, we would love to tell you about that. So I absolutely believe that. And I believe in this church because throughout my lifetime that I've been a part of this church, I've seen that this church has absolutely been a good manager and a steward of the money it's been entrusted with. And we don't just keep it in here. It goes out to help people all over the world, in our community, starting in our community, and going out to the rest of the world. It has been a generous church, giving resources to others to share in God's kingdom work. So, yes, that's why. And here's the deal about my salary. My salary's been set for 2020, and they're in there just like some of y'all did in the first service. They're voting on it right now. And when they finish voting on that budget, that's a done deal. It doesn't matter how, many, how much money comes in for the rest of 2020, that's still going to be my salary. So if any of y'all are skeptical about that, that's just the way it is. And here's the other thing. If you're skeptical of my challenge today and you say, well, you're saying all that about your church and what y'all do and that's great, but I still am skeptical. And listen, I, I understand. You may be one of those per people that I mentioned earlier that has been burned, and I understand that. But here's what I want to challenge you with. If you don't want to give your money here, pick out an organization that you have researched, that you have done your study on, and you know they are a good uh, organization, and you know they help people 
um, authentically, and they've been checked out by the Better Business Bureau or, or whatever, the EA, whatever it is that does, you know, nonprofits. Do that, and then consistently start giving your money to that organization for a consistent period of time, a month, two months, three months, a year, and see if God doesn't do something in your heart and in your life by your doing that. I challenge you. I say, test it. You don't have to give it here. I'm not worried about if you say, I'm not giving my money there. Well, that's something you got to worry about. But I say, give it somewhere and test God. He wants you to test him and show that he is faithful in that. And those of you who have been consistent, I know there's a lot of you here, very generous people that are here. like, man, get out of my life. You know, what are you getting in my business? You get given 10%. Well, Andy Stanley talked about one time. He says, when I, I think he said when he was in his 30s, he says, I've been given 10% because my daddy Charles taught me about that since I was, since I, my first job, I've been given 10%. And he said, at age 30, I started going, I've never increased that. And I talked to my wife and says, it's never been a thing for us just to put, put it in our budget, 10%. We just move along. It's no big deal. He says, but I was convicted as I was doing a sermon on giving to my church because I said, I've never increased that ever. It's always been 10%. So him and his wife got together and they started saying, we could definitely give more than 10% of our income. And they decided, he didn't say how much, none of my business, I don't care. But I thought, he's right. Sometimes we get in this thing and we can do it, you know, behind the back, through the legs. I can give 10%. That's no big deal. But what if he's challenged you to do more than that? Maybe God's working on your heart today to do that. So whatever your practice of giving is today, I hope you will consider where God might be challenging you and challenging me to change our practice, not only to have more meaningful worship, but have more meaningful relationship with God and just see what God will do through things. Like I said, I mentioned a lot of the things that we do, and I'm so grateful that this church does things. When we go down to Arbor Springs once a month and do a thing called God Squad, your money, if you put in a dollar, a part of your money is going to help little kids, helping people in, in, in uh, New Guinea hear the Word of God, helping recovery folks on Thursday nights here. When Isaiah goes to Northgate High School or to FCA at one of the schools all over, and he's rubbing shoulders with kids, because you've given some money, you're a part of that. Do you realize how good that feels to know you're a part of all those things that are going on all over the world because you're bringing your money to the storehouse and it's going out somewhere else as well? That's an awesome thought, so I just want to challenge you with that. Well, where do you need to start today? Well, that's something you need to talk to God about and maybe your family and your spouse and, and work out those deals. Well, as I close today, we want to say, you know, it starts with surrender, doesn't it? It starts with surrender. There's all kinds of things in our life that we're, we're, we're reluctant to surrender to God. I get it. It's hard. But when we do, God says, I want to do something in your life and in your heart, and he wants to build relationships. So today, if you're here and you need to make that first step of surrender to name Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we're going to give you that opportunity. If you're looking for a church who believes in generosity and giving beyond ourselves and to kingdom work, I promise you this is a church. And I know it might take you a while to know that and believe that, but we invite you to be a part of a church that is generous. So we're going to stand right now, and Kevin's going to lead us into a song. And if you have a decision day, we ask that you come forward at this time. Let's stand and sing together. <laughs>